Uh, we're going to continue our verse-by-verse verse study moving through the book of First Peter. Uh, we started a couple of weeks ago, and, and today in our men's lunch, as we move through these verses in First Peter, we're going to set the record straight on something today. Uh, there is a lot of false teaching, there's a lot of false ideas tied to the idea of following Jesus Christ. And maybe you've noticed that, maybe you see it. Uh, there are a lot of, of things that really aren't exactly correct uh, tied to the thought of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you right now, uh, some of it is well-meaning. Some of it, uh, it is wrong, it's not correct, but it is well-meaning uh, in its intent. Some of it is just a misapplication. In the same way, it is, it is wrong, but it's just a misapplication. But I'll just tell you very honestly, a lot of it is very hurtful. A lot of it is very harmful. Uh, it is downright malicious. And that teaching, that false teaching, truly is not of God. Maybe today you've noticed uh, many people are trying to sell the idea. And I think maybe it has that idea to sell the idea, to promote the idea uh, that following Jesus Christ is about your life getting more affluent or your life becoming more prosperous. You know what? We follow Jesus Christ and we put our hope in Him and life through Christ is about your being more comfortable. And folks today are, are teaching that. Folks today are preaching that. And, and, and they'll say, you know what? If you'll just do this, your life will turn out like that. Or if you'll just put your faith in this, uh, your life will, will, will begin to look like this. And if you'll just have enough faith, and not just the right kind of faith, but if you'll have a measurable amount, if you'll have enough faith, uh, everything is going to get better in your life. Maybe you've heard it, but I've heard preachers say that sickness is not Christian. Uh, I actually heard a, a pastor that said he had declared his church as a cancer-free zone. And because of our faith in Christ, our church is a cancer-free zone. And I think about, man, that'd be hard to tell my dad uh, who passed away from cancer last year. Uh, I hear preachers say, you know what? God wants to give you the best job and he wants to bless you financially and he wants you to be financially blessed. And I actually heard a preacher say, being poor is not of God. I actually said that in the pulpit. Being poor is not of God. And I wonder, well, maybe he didn't hear about Jesus who's born, and there's not a room for him in the inn. He's born basically out behind the truck stop. There's not a place for him. I don't know if he's heard about Jesus. Uh, the foxes have holes, but you know what? The Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head. I heard one preacher say, and he actually says this, that when he pulls into the shopping center, when he pulls into the store, um, evidently God's favor is so strong with this guy that the best parking spots always open up. Guy actually says that. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you about the old lady he cuts off to get that spot. But the best parking spots always open up. And many times that is how Christianity is represented. And maybe it's not to that degree. Uh, a lot of times it is to that degree. But, but it seems people are trying to, to sell us an image, to sell us a picture of Christianity that's not exactly true. Well, I have to tell you today, in fact, Peter in our verses today is going to tell us, is going to show us that is not the biblical truth. Now be sure and hear me up front today. God does heal and God does bless his people and God does show us tremendous amounts of mercy 
and grace. But the biblical truth that we're going to see in our verses today is that for followers of Christ, and I'll just tell you, especially for followers of Christ, trials are coming and troubles can be expected. Do you know that is the biblical truth? And any other teaching uh, is not coming from the New Testament because the New Testament tells us over and over again, Jesus tells us and Peter tells us and James tells us and Paul tells us, especially for Christians, trials are coming and troubles can be expected. It's going to be hard to grow the men's lunch with a message like that. But you know what? That's the biblical truth. For Christians, trials are coming and troubles can be expected. We're going to look at two verses today. We're moving through 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, today we're going to look at the 6th and 7th verse uh, there in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to begin by reading 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 verse 6. It says this, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Listen to that again. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Now remember to whom he is writing. These, these people that are receiving this letter, uh, they are under persecution. And some of them are under intense persecution. We, we find the book of Acts, we, we find here in the book of 1 Peter, these folks are being slandered. Uh, some of them are being disowned by their family. Their, their families are actually saying, you know, we want no part of you. Uh, some of these folks are being rejected by their friends. The folks that are in their circle, the folks that grew up with them are, are rejecting them. Some of them are being beaten. Some of them are being put into jail. Some of them are even being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? For their belief in Jesus Christ, uh, they're under this intense persecution. And then in that, in that intense persecution, they receive this letter. Now see a couple things here about the sixth verse. Notice here it says, they are distressed by various trials. They are distressed by various trials. I think it's important for us to understand that word distressed in the, the original context. Uh, sometimes we'd say, well, you know what, they're a little bit distressed or or old so-and-so's got some tough coming on and, they're, and he's living in distress. Understand in, in the context here, distress is not just being upset. This is more than upset. Just, distress is not being bothered. This is more than being bothered. Distressed, I found a couple different definitions, means affected with suffering. Not just, not just being put out a little bit, affected with suffering. Another, another definition said, great pain, suffering, and trouble. This person, they're distressed. They're in great pain. They're suffering, and they're in trouble. In a modern understanding, we talk about a ship that sends out a distress signal. And, and you go read the context of that. Uh, when they send out a distress signal... It is signifying they need immediate assistance. They need immediate assistance. And there might be a fire on the ship, but something dire is happening on the ship. And basically when they send out this distress signal, they don't send that out for a small reason. They send out a distress signal because the ship is about to go down. 
And that's the word that it's used here. You have been distressed. You're in pain. You're in suffering. You're in anguish. You're sending out a signal that the ship is about to go down. You've been distressed by various trials. See something else here in the sixth verse. It says, even though now for a little while you've been distressed by these various trials. But notice it says, even though now for a little while. Now, these guys that received the letter, these people, men and women, most of them endured this persecution for the rest of their life. Uh, some of them are going to be killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we have a messed up understanding of for a little while. For a little while means till this afternoon at 3 o'clock. Means till this weekend passes by. But, but understand for these folks, because of their faith in Christ, a little while for many of them meant the remainder of their life. But I want to tell you something as I read the words of God and it says for a little while, here's what I take out of that. There is an ending, but a little while. There is an ending to it. This period is going to be but a little while compared to the rest of time. Now, I don't know if you can start to see what's shaping up here, but as Peter writes a letter to these folks that are suffering, he is trying to get them to understand a picture of eternity. He's telling them, we suffer now. We suffer in this present time. And it seems so painful. But in light of eternity, this is going to be but a little while. He's telling them right now is hard. It may seem gut-wrenching right now. You know what? Somebody might be consumed with why. Why did this happen to me? And why is this happening now? But he tells them, you know what? There's a time coming. And I think about the song. There is coming a day when no heartaches shall come. I wish I could sing. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. What a day of rejoicing. What a day that's going to be when we see Jesus Christ. When I preach funerals, something I noticed very quickly, I've been doing it about 12 years now. When I preach funerals, I see folks that are hurt. And I don't, I don't care how old the person was. That's somebody's loved one. That's their mother. That's their son. That's their, that's their husband. And, and I see hurt. And you know what? We weren't built for separation. This wasn't God's plan. And yet sin entered in and, and death is a reality. And I, when I watch at a funeral and I see folks that are hurt. And then very quickly I notice this song we sing. It says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Amazing grace. And I sit there and I watch the hurt of these folks. And sometimes it's so consuming. I see the grief of, of the death. But I think, you know what? There's going to be a day because of Jesus Christ that we're going to stand somewhere in eternity. And we're going to be with that person because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to be with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to think about these 40, 70, 80 years. And they're going to seem but just a minute. And Peter says, but for a little while you suffer. But you know what? You keep in mind the picture of eternity. Crazy thing here in this verse. It starts off and it says, in this you greatly rejoice. That's crazy. 
That's absurd. He's writing to people that, that have been chased out of their homes. They're dispersed. They're living in lands that weren't theirs. They've, they've lost their property rights. Their families have disowned them. Some of them are being beaten. Some of them are being put in jail. And he writes a letter as crazy as it is. And he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Why would you ever rejoice in such hardship? Why would you ever rejoice in such a mess? And that leads us to verse 7. Verse 7 shows us three things come out of this trouble. Three things come out of these trials and these hardships. Greatly rejoice in these things because these three things come out of these hardships. Let me read verse 7 to you. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, gold will fade away, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me read verse 7 again. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Three things come out of these trials. The first thing is this. Trials, hardships, troubles, trials reveal your faith. Trials reveal your faith. It says so that the proof of your faith, trials, hardships, Prove your faith. They point to your faith. They confirm, they reveal your faith. You ever want to know where your hope is? If you ever want to see faith, look in times of trouble. Look when the pressure is on. Trials reveal your faith. That's the first thing. Second thing, trials refine your faith. Trials refine your faith. Now, that's, that's a big deal for us as followers of Christ. Uh, read there, it says, tested by fire. What that's talking about is a refiner's fire. They would take this gold and, and the refiner there, the, the goldsmith would have this fire. and He would put the gold there and he would bring it to a boil. And as the gold gets to the point of being a, a boiling liquid, the impurities would separate out of this gold. The things that can't stand in the gold for it to be pure gold would rise to the top and it would be skimmed off of this pot of boiling gold. What would be left by the refiner's fire is pure gold. Well, that's the picture of verse 7. Troubles refine our faith. It means this. In our lives, there are things that cannot stand. We know that. You know what? There's pride. That cannot stand. There is self-reliance. I'll do it myself. That cannot stand. There's misplaced hopes. You know what? My hope may have been in my job, my money, my retirement, my relationship. And I thought all my hope was going to be there. We have misplaced hopes. We have misplaced priorities. You know what? I thought that was going to matter. And I thought that was going to endure. And I, I put all my eggs in that basket. And I, and I spent all my time for that priority. And you know what? When the troubles come, we figure out there's some things that cannot stand. There's some priorities that have been misplaced. Those things never really mattered anyway. There's some hopes that, that weren't ever going to pay off. And our faith is refined in trouble. Hard times. I don't like them. They're tough. But I can tell you over the course of my life, over the course of my days, 
It wasn't in the good times that I ever really got that close to God. It wasn't in the good times that I would say, you know what, there's some things that cannot stand. By trials and hardship, our faith is refined. Brings us to the third thing. First, our troubles, our trials reveal our faith. They also refine our faith. The third thing they do is result in praise. Result in praise. Let me read the whole verse again. So that the proof of your faith is revealed. Being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, it's refined. May be found to result. Here's what comes from your faith being refined and being revealed. May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now there's two things in verse in view right here in this verse. It's talking about when Jesus comes again, the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's a day when Jesus is coming again. And there's two things it's talking about, I believe, here in this verse. The first is this. For those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, for those who have walked in faith with Jesus Christ, for those who have been obedient and they have obeyed because of their faith in Jesus Christ, and they've endured not because they were, they're strong, not because of their willpower, they endured because of the hope of Jesus Christ that is inside of them on the appearing of Jesus Christ. You know what he's going to say? Well done. Good job. And it's going to result in glory. But there's something bigger than that. And that is this. You know what's going to happen on that day? And I can't even imagine this day. I was thinking about it this morning. On that day, when sin is forever and finally stamped out, on that day when the stain of evilness is forever erased, on that day when Satan and all of his followers are cast into a lake of fire, on that day when there's a new heaven and a new earth for the former things have now passed away, on that day in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, on that day when we live in peace forevermore, back to the song, on that day, you know what's going to happen? We're going to praise Jesus Christ. We're going to exalt Jesus Christ. And so he says, you know what? In this even we greatly rejoice. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and really I'm humbled. I, I am, am absolutely humbled when I read these verses. You know what? As Christians, times sometimes are tough. You tell us they will be. For those that will take a stand... Trials come and hardships come and we don't understand why. And yet you tell us that, you know what, our faith is revealed. You know what, our faith is refined and it becomes a greater faith and some of the garbage and stuff that can't stand, some of the mispriorities and the misplaced hopes are, are pulled and pushed away. And most of all, that you are glorified, not us, but you. And I praise you for that. I, I look across this room and I see men that are in trials right now, that are in troubles right now and they're, and they're in gut wrenching hardships right now I pray that you would bless them I pray that you would strengthen them I pray that you give them peace that the world can't understand but most of all I pray that their faith would be revealed that it would endure that you'd use these hard things for your glory and I pray looking forward to a day 10,000 years from this day 
when we'll look back and we'll smile and we'll rejoice and we'll point to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you today and we praise you today and we worship you today. And I pray all of this in my Savior's name, in Jesus' name, amen.